0: Romans 13:8 to14. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For so whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments "You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one command: Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good evening everyone. Um, I'm Charlie, I'm the student minister here, and yeah, it's my privilege to be sharing God's word with you. Uh, even as I do that and uh, share what I've learned from this passage, uh, could you please pray with me and, and for me? Um, so let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Please help me to express your message correctly, clearly, and lovingly. Please transform every area of our thinking, actions, and, my- and beliefs. May your spirit open the eyes of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This evening I want to start by talking about uh, improving your credit score. You know that rating that banks and financial institutions use to judge uh, how much you can borrow or how low an interest rate they're going to give you? Well, according to the CanStar website, the, the number one thing you need to do to improve your credit score is to pay your loans and debts on time any electricity bills, utility bills, don't leave them outstanding. Pay them on time too. But I think one thing they missed was to add Romans 13, 8 at the end of it because I would say they took that from the Bible. You see, Paul has been talking to us about different obligations. He starts in in chapter 13 um, talking about obligations in the society. He directs them to pay taxes, uh, be law-abiding citizens, uh, respecting authorities. Now he concludes these obligations with a final and foundational obligation of loving our fellow human being. He says here in verse 8, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. What does this mean? Let no debt remain outstanding. I mean, shouldn't... I mean, can't be borrow or... Uh, ask the bank for a loan or ask anyone for something but rather he's is trying to say pay your dues promptly it's not just good for your credit score but it's also god honoring to do so but the bigger and the main point he's trying to make is that our debt is to each other this is a debt of love a permanent payment plan of love that we owe each other and that's not to just people next to you or in the church, but to everyone. Now let's think about this. A permanent payment plan of love. It seems like a rather negative view of love, isn't it? I mean, he says the one debt that you'll keep paying and yet never pay off completely is the debt of love to each other. I mean, we just sang, you know, Jesus paid our debt and here, you know, Paul's talking about yet another debt. I mean, who amongst us wakes up and goes, woohoo, the bank takes my mortgage today, or my electricity bill is going to be paid off today? I mean, maybe, maybe that's you. You love to pay your car loans, be top of all your bills. But if I'm being honest, it, it, it causes some anxiety in me each time I need to pay some of my dues. But for Paul, even paying our financial bills is an expression of love. It serves the wider community. It shows love for our society. On a serious, but side note, if you are going through financial hardship or anxiety currently, please do stay back and pray with someone. If all this talk about finances is affecting you, please know that the Lord Jesus sustains us. There is care and love available in this family of God. So, how, how are we to show this love? Is this, is this just because I, I know I, I owe something, I, I give it? It's, but rather, Paul is not talking about love in this grudging and obligatory manner. Rather, he's talking about love in an unmeasured, unending manner. You know, uh, Shirley is here, uh, and I uh, call her honey. I mean, uh, even even when I'm exhausted, I can't, I can't just say, honey, my love budget for you, for you today is, is, is done. You know, I, I'm done. I mean, there have been times I've felt like that. I mean, not, not because of Shirley, but, you know. But, you know, it's... It, but here Paul is talking about that not being, I mean, love not being something that's temporary, a once-off, limited one, but rather a love that is perpetual, unending, and that's the first point I think Paul is trying to make. Secondly, we are called to love one another by actively seeking their best interests. In the first century, uh, you know, church there were there were masters, slaves, men, women. Uh, children, uh, Jews, Gentiles, could a master show unmeasured love to a slave? Could a Jew who has been striving to keep the law, eating only kosher food, being careful about who he associates with, now share a meal with this non-Jew, a Gentile? I mean, their traditions and customs were at odds with each other. And Paul will discuss some of these practical issues in the next chapter. But for now, he wants them to understand the basis for all that he's going to say is love. So I'm going to read from the second half of verse 8. He says, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commands, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commands there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. He reminds them from the law of Moses that every command about how they relate with each other comes out of this one command, to love your neighbor as yourself. He's quoting from the second half of the verse in uh, Leviticus 19.18, which is, Do not seek revenge or beg a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 40, Jesus summarizes the takeaway from all the Old Testament, the law, the prophets and everything. He says, we have to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength and mind. And he, say, and he goes on to say, the second and the greatest command is to love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, for us in the church, I mean, we've heard this so many times. And maybe like you, these words of love one another just, just washes over you. Yeah, love one another. You know, it's just, just doesn't 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 hit you anymore. I mean, uh, recently there was uh, an experience on Father's Day that made me think about this a bit more. My four-year-old had this present prepared for me. I mean, obviously with his uh, uh, childcare teacher's help, uh, there was this coffee mug uh, inside which I found a heart-shaped cookie. And see, this is the first thing in the morning. We've had haven't had any breakfast, and uh, have, all my kids are around me. And I and, and as they, as I open it. He, he instinctively grabs the cookie and then his brothers immediately say, hey hey, Micah, this is for Dada give it back I mean he, he doesn't want to let go, but, uh, he, not, I mean, I mean, but he diplomatically responds he says, uh, one bite for Dada, one bite for Zebi, one bite for Nano, one bite for Micah carefully ensuring that each of us just get a tiny little nibble and then pops the rest in his mouth and says, this is for me! <laughs> I mean When we love each other, it's not so much a conscious action. We know how to give ourselves what we want. We actively and instinctively seek our own happiness and pleasure. You know, ironically, our love for ourselves is unending and unmeasured. But often it is selfish and sinful. We go to extraordinary lengths to satisfy our own desire. I mean who who taught him, this four-year-old to do this? But but you know you know, we, we sort of seek our own interests. And so Paul is telling us, you need to have a similar kind of love, but one that is directed at the interests of others. And Paul and Paul goes on in verse ten to qualify the shape of this love. He says, love does no harm to your to a neighbor, therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. See, one that you know, this is, this is the kind of love that is uh, that, that does not harm in the name of keeping God's law. That, that, that's what the Jews were doing, and so Paul is reminding them. It's, it's not a love that's defined by you or by anyone else, but rather it's a love that's defined by the law of God. A perfect love that the law tries to ensure with all its command, with its don't do this and don't do that. Basically trying to stop people from harming one another. Yet no one could keep it perfectly, and Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 3. This perfect love was finally fulfilled only in the life of Jesus. And that is why Jesus says in John 13:34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Mom, Jesus is the demonstration of God's love. Though being fully God, Jesus humbled himself, choosing to become a man. Jesus shows compassion for the vulnerable, the sick, those living a sinful life. A love that chooses to serve rather than to be served. A love that forgives. A love that doesn't gloss over people's sin or brokenness. It lifts them up, empowers. It accepts their past failings and gives them yet another chance. It's a love that seeks after the lost, even the one who does not want to change his or own ways. A love that does not write these kind of people off. A love that embraces the fallen, restores, blesses the undeserving. A love that transforms people, provides strength and courage. And so Paul says in Romans 5.8 that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus' love is sacrificial, unrelenting, forgiving. It's the perfect representation of what humans were meant to be but as demonstrated in Jesus' life on earth and ultimately and supremely in his death. So Paul Paul calls those who trust in Jesus to look beyond the law. I mean, the Jews were focused on keeping each one of those things, but, but Paul calls them to look at the one who fulfilled the law by his perfect love. Therefore, thirdly, our love for one another should display Christ's love. A love that is self-sacrificial, that goes beyond our own love for ourselves, actively pursuing the best interests of others in a perpetual, boundless manner as modeled by Jesus. I mean, for those of us who have been here in the church and look at this radically costly nature of love that we are called to display, and sometimes we shake our heads in disbelief thinking, Great idea, but surely no one can achieve this and I can't do it. You're right. We, we can't achieve. Even, even me, this meek looking, uh, you know, always outwardly smiling guy, I'm impossible to love. Ask surely my wife. So how are we to do this when people are so hard to love? Paul says we can do this because Jesus has saved us out of darkness and has brought us into the light. And secondly, to live amongst the darkness, Jesus has given us an armor of light. So, firstly, Jesus has saved us out of darkness and brought us into the light. Paul says in verse 11 here, and do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because your salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Imagine a person who is camped all night waiting to catch the sunrise. The climb for the week and the hike and everything has been about getting to this perfect spot to witness this amazing sunrise. And now is not the time to sleep in. You see, the sun is just below the horizon as the twilight breaks across the sky announcing the glorious sunrise that's about to come. And for us who are who trust in Jesus, who are, who are, who are already saved, you know, th- this is the su- sunrise we're looking forward to because we have already been saved, but we are also being saved each day, being transformed into His likeness by His Spirit. But we also long to be saved on that final day when Christ will return. This is what Paul means by the coming salvation. When God's kingdom, on, uh, uh, God's kingdom on earth will be fully revealed, when he will set everything right again, this terrible decay, sickness, pandemic, death and sinful nature of our flesh will be all gone. We will be united with Christ fully as his bride. So let's be ready. Don't go back to sleep, but wake up and live for the day. The other night, Shirley uh, warned the boys who were supposed to be in bed by this time, uh, calling out to them uh, so that they could hear. I mean, it's a kind of a, a warning. Uh, Dada, don't uh, please go and check. Put anyone who is not in their bed into the naughty corner to which, we keep role-playing this, uh, to which I responded uh, as usual in a loud voice so that the boys could hear, Yes, Mama, I'll go and check soon and put anyone playing in the naughty corner. Right after that, we could hear my second son, Nathaniel, whispering loudly to his brother, Seb, Dada always says that, but never comes soon. We still got time to play. Friends, is our attitude to Paul's instructions like this? Now is not the time to go back to sleep. The coming day is what the whole journey of life has been about. God has taken us from the realm of darkness, has broken our bondage to the sinful nature. He's given us a new identity as His children and the gift of the Holy Spirit within us to empower us to walk as His children of the day, not of the night. I came over to Australia 10 years back after having married Shirley. And at this stage, Shirley and her family had been here for many years and they were good law-abiding citizens. Her dad had a perfect driving record, not even a single parking ticket. But I had come from a, a city like Bangalore, where the traffic rules are constantly bent and not policed like it, it is here. So for example, when the traffic piles up, you just get on the footpath with your little Vespa scooter and you ride around all the cars and you just just make your way through. So. Um, imagine my father-in-law's shop that after I borrowed his car, I think almost for the first time in the first month I was here, they received their first-ever traffic infringement notice along with three demerit points. I had blindly followed the car ahead of me turning into royal parade even after the signal had just turned red. I mean, this was common in Bangalore, but not okay here. Being a new father-in-law, he had to tell me kindly to pay more attention to the traffic rules. I quickly learnt my lesson back then. I couldn't live by my way of life that I had back in Bangalore. I must live by my new status as a resident of Australia. Friends, what are your past sins that God has freed you and yet you have slipped back? What are your secret sins, deeds of darkness that you look back fondly and start to make small advances towards? Paul goes on to name some of these deeds of darkness in in verse 13 he says not in carousing and drunkenness not in sexual immorality and debauchery not in dissension and jealousy what are your self-indulgent deeds of darkness? has anger and bitterness taken over? as you've tried to serve at work or as part of church? Do you find loving people is hard and your thoughts keep going back to that person at work or someone who has hurt you and uh, who keeps getting the credit for the things you've done? Are you filling up with jealousy and wanting to exact vengeance? Paul's answer is we need to bring this into the light of Christ's love. Expose the sins that we have let grow under the cover of darkness. Paul says in verse 12, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put, put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. We need to deal with our sinful addictions with courage and deliberate action. This might mean needing to talk with Mike or Ali uh, or a home group leader who, who can be an accountability or prayer partner for, uh, for, your, uh, for your sinful addictions or things that, you're, th- things that you're going through. We must be lethal in our approach to sin. You see the word armor here, it's not just a defensive term, it's also an imagery of weapons in a fight. We need to deal with sin in an offensive manner or as Nathaniel would, would say, we need to karate chop, or, chop that off. Friends, we know that we live in a world that does not always see God's kingdom as having come or breaking into our world. Often people choose to willfully ignore the reality of God's kingdom around them. But we are in the overlap of the ages, called by God to be His light amongst the darkness, to proclaim His imminent coming, loving people in, in view of Christ's return with a sense of urgency, but a certain hope, knowing that Jesus will draw them to him as we reflect his light and love. But as we live in this present time, amongst those in the darkness, Paul says, secondly, we, Jesus has given us an armor of light. So Paul continues, so let us put aside, so look with look me in verse 14 and then as I jump to verse 14, so let us set off the deeds of darkness and he's talked about um, all of these sins later. He says, let us behave decently as in the day. Not, um, and then in verse 14, rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not even think about gratifying the desires of the flesh. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. A few years back uh, I remember having a sudden burst of enthusiasm for exercising so I set the alarm I woke up at 6 a.m. in the morning I decided to go for a run I put on my shoes I I put on my track pants uh, t-shirt obviously in a different order but and then stepped out and it it, it was the first I mean it, it was it was a really cold morning and and as soon as I was out I suddenly realized I wasn't ready I'd forgotten my jumper so I quickly ran back and decided never doing this again. Terrible idea. You know, if we try in our own strength to love one another, we will fail. Worse, we will end up burnt out, upset with the world, disillusioned, and finally going back to a former lifestyle before Christ. It's like my attempt to run. The idea of exercising sounded great, but the effort to pursue it was shallow, and I was unprepared for the task, so the experience only made me go back to my own lazy ways. Paul's answer is, you need Jesus put on Christ like a Roman soldier would put on his armor. Can you can you picture a roman soldier patrolling a street or serving in a battlefield in his pajamas? No, rather it's an imposing image that strikes fear. I mean this guy here is meekly smiling, he's reenacting, but I mean the the helmet, the breastplate, the belt, the sandals, the, the shield, the sword, all of it communicating a clear warning to behave or face the consequences. The soldier isn't missing a helmet or a sword. He's fully clothed. He's taken the time to do up his armor carefully and deliberately. Likewise, we are called to behave properly and honorably as someone displaying Christ. But this is a picture of countercultural love, not of fear, but one of sincere love as Paul elaborated earlier in chapter 12, hating what is evil clinging to what is good, being joyful in hope, patient in affliction, sharing with those in need, blessing those who persecute us. One that emulates our Savior, who won victory by dying on the cross. It's one that gives hopes to others, even in their darkest moments, knowing with certainty that the Lord will return. We put our faith not in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ, it is He who empowers us. While we can read these instructions and go, Okay, I've I, I got to do something, I need to act, I must wake myself up, I need to think like Jesus, force this love out of me. No, but that's not the picture here. Yes, there's a call not to be passive, but rather actively pursue a life in the light, in Christ being, living sacrifices. But there's also an image of dependence, of cooperation with God's Spirit. Putting on or clothing ourselves with Christ is a picture of partnership with the Spirit in growing in faith, in love and hope. Dwelling richly in His Word, letting His light shine through our broken lives, even in our failings. You see, in, earlier in Romans 5.5, 5, Paul has Paul has, uh, Paul has already written this. Uh, read with me in verse uh, uh, Romans 5.5 5. And, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Friends, there is a promise of the Spirit's enabling to love. This love for one another is an outflowing of the Holy Spirit's work in us. We are reminded that God's Spirit pours His love into our hearts as we put off ourselves and put on Christ. The question is, are we willing to put off ourselves, our fears, our desires, our distractions, our past and trust Christ? Let His Spirit take control Because there is a time coming, like a thief in the night, unexpectedly, when Christ will return. Friends, I want to end with this. Recently a couple were narrating a story to me about how someone in their church helped them out financially, time and time again, during their early years as humble migrants, starting to set up their first home in Australia. The husband was a fairly new Christian. They were struggling as a family and at, and at times had overextended themselves. But the wife said, though we have paid off our debts, we can never repay the trust and generosity shown by that person to us. The husband commented, I mean, we were silly and immature back then with our finances yet this person showed a depth of patience and love he concluded with these words we are forever indebted to that person this is the kind of heartfelt genuine love that Paul is expressing in this passage one that comes out of our experience of being loved if we have been loved by Jesus And we have experienced His forgiving and restoring, wonder-working love. We are forever indebted to Him. Friends, we can never pay off that debt. But we can respond. We can love each other with the same deep and boundless love. Father, we thank You, Lord this promise of your help and your spirit to enable us to love father thank you lord that you love us so much thank you lord that you have brought me from the realm of darkness that you've delivered me and you have given me a hope for the future Father, may your love spur me to love one another. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you and that you are working with us. Jesus, help me deal with my sin. The things in my heart that only you know. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. Amen.
0: The end of Charlie's prayer.